Hey everyone, welcome to Ask Shane Anything. This show is a reward, well, for all our patrons, but particularly for those who pledge at $7 or more per month at patreon.com slash sifted. Now those people get to ask questions for Ask Shane Anything, but everybody gets to watch the archive of the show. We have another trio of really good questions from you guys. Let's get straight to them. Our first question for this episode comes from Sifted from Commander Fett. There's a worrying trend of major video game companies starting to heavily invest in live service style games. These games are very expensive to develop and market with no guarantee of success. Do you think this will lead to another industry crash? Now, for those of you who don't know, and you're sifters, so you all do know, but just to be careful and cover all the bases, a live service game is basically a game as a service, a game that lives on past the typical 18 months that most video game life cycles generally last. And if you want to have examples of games like that, think Destiny, Destiny 2, um, Marvel's Avengers, anything that just continually gets updates after its initial release or new DLC, stuff like that. Again, I know most of you guys already know what these are, just covering all the bases. Um, and it's been interesting to watch the advent of this type of game because it really does feel like most players are split down the middle. Um, not each person, but the player base in general is split down the middle. Half of us, totally cool with games as a service. The other half, not so much. And generally, what determines which side you're on is whether you found a game as a service that you really like. <laughs> People who like games like Destiny love games as a service because they buy that one game. They have to chip in, you know, $15 here, $20 there to keep playing that game. And if they enjoy it as much as they enjoy any other new game that they may have bought instead, then what's the harm? I think that's the way they look at it. Now, a lot of other people, and I guess I would probably fall into this camp, are people who have never really found a game as a service that they stuck with. The one I've played the most is the first Destiny. I stuck with that through a couple expansions, through kind of the whole thing getting changed and evolved and flipped on its head. And then at a certain point, I just kind of ran out of interest. I also got tired of playing it. <laughs> because when it really comes down to it, sure, you're getting new characters, you're getting new content, you're getting new costumes. But typically, the gameplay loop and the actual gameplay never really changes. And that is what has always turned me off to games as a service. I've just never managed to stick with them more than a few months. So it's interesting to have someone like you who... Based on your question, I would guess you're not a fan of games as a service. Meanwhile, there are other people. I have a brother-in-law who is just completely addicted to Destiny and has no interest, really, in playing any other games. I can't fault him for that. He loves it, and that's really all that matters. Are you enjoying your time that you're spending with video games? I really don't care how you do it. Um, if you like games as a service, that's cool by me. If you don't like it, cool by me as well. If you want to play just single-player, story-driven games, totally cool. I don't care. As long as you're enjoying yourself and you're supporting the industry, which allows more and more games to be created. So I don't want you to think that I have a stigma against people who enjoy games as a service. A lot of my really good friends, that's pretty much all they play anymore. Now to the crux of your question. Um, you said that they're becoming expensive to develop and market. Now, 
that's tough because the initial release really isn't that much more expensive to create than a typical single-player story-driven video game. You're still creating a game that probably has a multiplayer component, probably has a single-player campaign, and sure, you are including hooks, so to speak, in your game that will allow it to expand eventually, and there is some work associated with that, but I don't think as much as you think. The other thing, too, is that it's very easy to figure out very quickly whether your game as a service is going to work or not, and whether it is going to turn into a service or whether it's going to be a one-off game. I think Babylon's Fall is a great example of this. It's a hack-and-slash action RPG that's supposed to continually expand and get bigger over time, and the story's supposed to evolve, but the game did so horribly out of the gate that it was immediately apparent that Babylon's Fall was not going to survive and it was not going to be a game as a service. So in this case, its developers and its publishers, sure, they had the initial outlay of labor and time to build the base game of Babylon's Fall, but they quickly realized the game as a service hook was not going to happen and they were able to stop development on the future installment. So did they end up losing all that much more money or time because they wanted it to be a game as a service? Not really. Now we don't know entirely what happened behind the scenes. And to be honest with you, Babylon's Fall, it was rumored that the first expansion or two had already been finished when the base game was finished. So in that case... You end up releasing the content. It probably doesn't do very well, but the work's already done. And so is it no harm, no foul? Um, I, I guess what I'm getting at is I think it's overwrought that creating games as a service is somehow a much bigger time or money sink than developing another style of game, a single-player story-driven game. I don't believe that's the case. I don't think they're exceedingly more expensive to develop. Now, to market... Again, you know, if the if you release the base game and it's not doing very well, you're not going to spend any more money on marketing like future expansions because you're not going to release them. So I don't see where they're more expensive to market at all. Now, to your other question, do you think they could lead to another industry crash? I think that's something that we just need to get out of our vernacular. The, the gaming industry is never going to crash again the way it did in the early 80s. It's just not going to happen. Back then, gaming really was, even though you may have had one and your buddies may have had one when you were that age when like the NES or the Super Nintendo came out, the truth of the matter is that games were still kind of a niche thing. If you look at the data, how many consoles were sold during the NES era or the Super Nintendo era, or... For that matter, even then, the Nintendo 64, the installed bases for those consoles are minuscule compared to what we're getting now for our new machines. So I don't think we should ever bring that up again because it's never happening. We're never going to have a complete and total industry crash the way that it happened in the early 80s. Gaming is just way too popular now. Could we get to a place where there's only two console manufacturers, like maybe either Nintendo, Sony, or Microsoft bow out, and then there's only two? Maybe. Could we get to where there's only one? At the end of it all, there's just one left standing? Even less likely, particularly now, because consoles aren't don't matter as much as they used to, back in that era especially. Um, we're able to play games now on our refrigerators. <laughs> I'm not exaggerating. People got Doom up and running on a refrigerator. Um, so with things like 
game streaming and Amazon Luna and just the fact that you generally aren't going to need to buy an extra console or a console at all, really, to play games in the future. I just there's no way that the industry is ever going to die again. It's just it's changed so much. It's way too big. It's way too popular. I just don't see that happening. And I hear people saying this all the time. Will this lead to another industry crash? Will that lead to another industry crash? And I really just think it's something that we just need to completely get out of our vernacular. Now, are games as a service doing real harm to the industry in any measurable way? I really don't think that they are. Um, If you look at the revenue generated by games, it keeps going up. So... Even though we've had this proliferation of games that are ongoing over the last half decade or more, it really hasn't affected the bottom line of the games industry really at all. So I know some people who don't like games as a service, I feel like they're always trying to place blame on them for things that they perceive going wrong in the games industry. But there's really just no data that backs that up. Our next question comes from Sifted from McWomble. What's your take on the Deshaun Watson situation? With EA removing footballer Benjamin Mandy from FIFA because of his ongoing rape trial in the UK, why has EA been silent about what is happening with Watson? Should, could EA remove him from the Browns roster for at least the length of his suspension? Okay, so as a Steelers fan, <laughs> this is very near and dear to me, this this topic. Um, I hate the Browns. I always have hated the Browns. They're one of the Steelers' biggest rivals. Now, For those of you who don't follow sports, and that's a lot of you, let's be honest, um, this is a gaming website. Here's a quick Crypt Notes version of what happened with Deshaun Watson. He was the quarterback of the Houston Texans. Um, Reports started swirling that he had been frequenting a lot of massage parlors, and some of the women who worked at those massage parlors started sharing stories about how he basically was using massage parlors as a means of sexual gratification. I think that's the best way to put it. (laughs) Um, And the story came out, and the authorities did an investigation. Now, the authorities in Texas decided to not pursue criminal charges against him. There's, I could talk about an hour about that, about how the, the investigators there ignored a lot of the women, didn't talk to all the women who were accusing him, because, by the way, there are over 20 women who have officially accused him of sexual improprieties while he visited massage parlors. But they went back and found that he had actually reached out to six over 60 different massage parlors in a very short period of time. So it's unless you're an idiot or a Browns fan or a Deshaun and Deshaun Watson's family, it's pretty obvious that he has a problem here. So Texas authorities refused to prosecute. As you might imagine, public opinion is this guy's a piece of trash. So the team that he was on, the Houston Texans, did not let him play all last season. Enter the Cleveland Browns, the most desperate, pathetic NFL franchise on the planet. And they really lived up to that with the Deshaun Watson situation because not only did they decide that they were willing to take the public relations hit in signing him to the team? They also gave him the highest contract in the history of the NFL. 200, and, and don't quote me on this, but I believe somewhere around $230 million, and the vast majority of that money is guaranteed, meaning that no matter what happens, he's going to get paid out the full amount of that contract. So 
Then the NFL jumped in, and you guys probably, even if you don't follow sports, you probably heard about how it took forever for the NFL to decide. It finally decides that it only gives him 12 games suspension, which to me is absolutely ludicrous. So that's the Crib Notes version. He is now on the Cleveland Browns. He cannot play for 12 games. In fact, the Steelers just played the Browns last night and lost, which I'm pretty bummed out about today. Um, without Deshaun Watson. They had to play with with his backup, and the Steelers still lost, which shows you how terrible the Steelers are this year. But anyway, that's the gist of what happened with Deshaun Watson. Now, I'm not familiar with the story of this footballer from the UK, unfortunately. Somehow that story is not trickled across the Atlantic, and I did not pick up on it. So I don't know the details of the story, but just you telling me that FIFA has excluded him from the game is a major difference with what's happening with Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson is in Madden NFL 23. Now, he's not designated as the starter for the Browns, but you can use him and you can play the game with him as the quarterback of the Browns. And I think it's disgusting. (laughs) And not just because, here's the thing, a lot of people, Browns fans, will say, well, because the government decided to not charge him criminally, then you've got to let him just live his life and do his thing. But that's not how life works. (laughs) Like, the cops can say, oh, it might be really hard to prove in court, and we could spend a lot of money on this, we may not convict him. But there's no stopping public opinion from rendering its verdict on Deshaun Watson. And it's pretty much unanimous. Unless you are a Browns fan or a chud you pretty much assume Deshaun Watson is a pretty terrible person who has a problem. He has some kind of, I don't know what's happened to him in his life to make him this way, but he's kind of a sexual predator. So you can't stop that. You can't keep me from passing my own judgment on Deshaun Watson. And the vast majority of people think he's a creep and he probably shouldn't be in the NFL and he definitely shouldn't have been given the highest contract in the history of the NFL. Now, it bothers me that he's in Madden. But the other thing about Madden is an important part of that game is that it needs to be historically accurate. It needs to be accurate, period. That is why Madden exists. If you remember, if you've heard the stories before, John Madden said that EA first brought him in to create a football game, and they only had like six players on each team or seven players on each team. They did not have the full 11-on-11 experience. And he said... I will not be a part of this until it's 11 versus 11 and it's like real football. So that has been the tenet for Madden from the beginning. So in that way, having Deshaun Watson on the Browns roster is accurate and does kind of satisfy one of the tenets of the Madden franchise. Now, I'm not as well versed in FIFA. I don't know if there's been this weird mandate with FIFA from the beginning for it to be one way or another. I don't know. But I will say that I applaud the FIFA team. And I boo the Madden team, even though, I hate to say it, the Madden team kind of has an argument for why he should be in the game. That's the other thing. Like, he didn't get suspended for this whole year. He's coming back in, like, week 12 or week 13, and he's going to need to be in the game for that. So I do feel like EA, like a lot of people, were put in a horrible, untenable position by Deshaun Watson. And he does not care at all. He got his money He's going to be back in the league before the season's over, and he's hoping people are going to forget it. But I'll tell you one thing, when his butt comes to Pittsburgh for a game, the people there are not going to forget it. All right, our final question for today's episode comes from Zet Saber. I know we never talk politics here, but if you were president, 
What executive order would you issue to directly impact the video game industry? Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> I've never even contemplated being president. This is the last job in the world I would ever want. Just a completely thankless job where no matter what you do, a huge chunk of the country is going to hate you. So I have no interest in being president at all. In fact, I never have in my entire life. I've, that's not something that I ever dreamed about or wanted to do. Um, so you're putting me in a unique position, which is great. And that's what makes this show worth watching. So if I were president and I could issue executive orders to help the games industry, the first one that I would issue is any game with loot boxes or with any sort of gotcha mechanics that are tied into real money must be M-rated. So only people who are old enough to gamble legally should be allowed to play games that have gambling elements in them. Does that make sense? I don't think kids who play Fortnite, most kids play Fortnite, should be exposed to gambling mechanics at like six or seven years old. Like they just, they don't need to know about that stuff. That's things that come when they're adults and they've learned to manage their own money and they have their own money and they're not spending their parents' money. If their parents have uploaded their credit card number to the Fortnite interface and now the kid can just sit there and just go ding, 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 ding with their credit card. So the first thing I would do is I would, I wouldn't outlaw loot boxes or gotcha mechanics. I would just make sure that if those are included in any video game, that video game needs to be M rated. So the youngest someone can be to be exposed to those gambling mechanics would be 17 years old. That even maybe is a little bit young. I don't know, probably 21. I mean, it seems to be that's the age for legal gambling in states so far that have passed gambling laws here in the United States. The cutoff age generally is 21, but there's really no ESRB rating for 21. So that would make games would have to be AO, adults only. That might be a little far because AO games are just doomed to not sell because places like Walmart won't even carry them. And so that's a rub. Bottom line is if I had the power as president of the United States, I would try to make sure that gotcha mechanics, loot boxes, any kind of gambling stuff is kept away from young kids. And whatever I would have to do to do that, I would do it. Now, just as a fun angle, <laughs> if I really were a president, I would mandate on day one that every U.S. citizen has to give one penny to Sifted every year. Just imagine what we could do with all that revenue. I also have a feeling people would be really pissed, and it wouldn't just be half of the country that would hate me. It would be like 75% of the country that would hate me over one penny. But yeah, if I were president, that's the two things I would do. Make sure loot boxes are only experienced by adults, and make sure that Sifted lives on forever and ever. All right, thanks for checking out Ask Shane Anything. As I said in the open, this show would not be possible if it weren't for the people who are pledging $7 or more per month at patreon.com slash sifted. Thank you all so very much for going above and beyond and pledging well beyond the $4 watermark that you need to get all our content early. Without you guys, this show wouldn't happen. Uh, and I want to take this moment to thank all our patrons because without you guys, sifted wouldn't happen, which means this show wouldn't happen either. Uh, we'll be back with another episode real soon. We'll see you then.